For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Good evening out there, Radio Land. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock out here in the West. And you know what that means. It's time for another wonderful, magnificent episode of the West Coast Recess, sponsored by NGSC. I am the guy who needs no introduction in the NGSC world over. I'm known as Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome, a.k.a. the Sports Butler at Twitter. And you probably know me by my more popular moniker, Raider Rome. And I am my little brother's big brother. So it's a pleasure seeing you all tonight. You know how it is over here in the West Coast. Our teams are the most underrated of the lot. Therefore, we have to come fight the West Coast bias for you. And I'm sure you know how the routine works now, fighting the West Coast bias. It's never a one-man operation. So I will bring to you the one man that I do trust, live from Oklahoma, my main man, Josh Matson. How are you feeling over there, Josh? I am feeling good today, Jerome. Nice to be on the show with you today, and I'm excited to talk some sports with you. Oh, yeah. I bet. I'm pretty excited, too, man. We only get to do this for an hour a week. I wish we got to do it a bit longer because it's such a kick-ass time, you know. We laugh. We have a good time. We we deal with stuff. We got a good action-packed show for you tonight, you know. And there was some pretty good news that happened. There was some pretty interesting news, rather, that went on in the NFL this week involving your football team. Looks like the Patriots have just got caught doing some things they had no business doing again with this deflated football nonsense. Please, I'll allow you to elaborate on this. Give, give me your thoughts. Okay, well, my thoughts as a Patriots fan is, well, first of all, the media has made it into they're actually guilty. But the fact of the matter is the report didn't actually say they were guilty it said that they assume that they're guilty so i don't know in the court of law that doesn't really hold up or if you have to have proof but uh, the nfl does what they want anyway so they're going to do what they want that's just what they do so um and the other interesting thing is even though this is just like a way uh the colts also had balls that were deflated in that game so well three balls according to bob bob Kraft, so but anyways, um, yeah, so the NFL has said they assume that they did it. So uh, that's it. I don't know what else to say. Well, it looks like um, discipline is coming for your boy Brady pretty soon there. And it's about time somebody actually um, clapped down on these guys, you know. You know how I feel about the New England Patriots. I've tried to be objective about this. Um, for a while, I was actually starting to lean towards them probably not doing anything. But, I mean, your coach is a rat. The quarterback is a joke. I mean, you win, <laughs> you win Super Bowls over off of complete nonsense. And, I don't know, people are gravitated to this football team. It's weird to me. But, hey, I don't have to root for them. So, whatever punishment you guys get, you know, I'm, I'm sure it won't be like what it was with the New Orleans Saints. But the Patriots don't end up being fined a significant amount of money. And I guess – price to pay for 
changing um, the outcome of a football game. What do you think? Well, I honestly don't think any suspensions will hold up because they the, they require evidence that says they actually did it, and they don't have that. So they're going to suspend maybe Brady. They're going to maybe suspend Belichick. But I bet you anything the appeals are going to get overturned because they have to have proof that they did it. That's my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, well, I have to agree with you there, Josh. I mean, I don't personally see much of uh, a suspension going um, towards the Golden Boy anyway just because of who he is. I mean, I know I sound like a bitter, pissed-off Raider fan or whatnot, but from, <laughs> from our history, we know nothing's going to happen to these guys. And by the time the football season starts, this whole um, investigation, whatnot, or what they call it, it'll just be laughable, you know. Well, it's all laughable to me, but I'm a Patriots fan, and most of uh, most other fans find it to be a big deal because New England's winning. If New England wasn't winning right now, that no one would get, no one would care. That's the thing. That's what's funny about the whole situation. So um, I hope that uh, I think what's going to happen. New England's going to lose some draft picks and they're going to get fined. I don't know how much. I can't even speculate, but I assume they'll lose some picks and maybe. Maybe even a suspension or two to um, Belichick or Brady or both or both, I should say. Yeah, well, it'll be a pretty interesting um, scenario there to look forward to, Josh. We'll see how that goes. And as you all know, that we are sponsored here by DraftKings and we are sponsored by Salem um, Animal Shelter. And we'll be right back after a word from these sponsors. This is the NGSC West Recess. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait till the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds and thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Think for a minute how you could make the difference in the life of a pet who has not known what it's like to be in a home or love. A spirit who's been abused, neglected, and is now waiting for a home in your local shelter. Sometimes you think you're doing them a favor, but when you adopt, you're the one whose life has changed. Adopt, a message from Northeast Animal Shelter in Salem, Massachusetts. And we are back here with the NGSC West Recess. I'm Ray to Rome here with Jermaine and Josh Madsen. Here, and we got ourselves a little playoff update for you going on in game two of the Western Conference second round. The L.A. Clippers looking to take a shocking 2-0 lead without Chris Paul on the road here. They lead Houston 65-56 early in the third period. This should be a pretty, interest, this is a pretty interesting game so far. Blake Griffin has taken over with 26 first-half points. Your thoughts on the Clippers' chances in this series so far, Justin? They look like the better team. Uh it's bad news for Houston to not be able to beat uh, the Clippers without 
um, Chris Paul on the floor, so uh, it's not a good sign. And Howard needs to start playing better, and and Harden's doing pretty much everything for that team. So he needs some needs some guys to step up, or else that it's going to be a sweep, I think. Well, if the Clippers get this one tonight, I'm going to go on and have to go and say, go with the sweep card myself. Because, I mean, you get Chris Paul back, you're playing in L.A., and from the way this is looking, the Clippers will run these boys right out of the gym over there in Staples. Then over there in the in the um, east, we've got Cleveland tying up the series with Chicago tonight. I didn't watch much of that game because I figured that the Cavs would be pissed off and LeBron would do his thing, and they, they ran off to a 15-point victory. But the pretty shocking um, result to me was last night. You get Stephen Curry getting his MVP award. Everybody's pumped up, ready for something special to happen. And somebody forgot to tell the Memphis Grizzlies and Mike Conley. He comes out, the masked assassin, now they call him. He puts up 22 points, and he slays the mighty Golden State Warriors, shocking them 97-90 to 90 in Oakland. Now, I'm not sure what's going to take place the rest of the series. I mean, I don't know if Memphis could actually beat this team four times. But they've served notice that they're here to play. And when you got heart and you can play defense like that, you're going to be tough for anybody. Your thoughts, Josh? Um, Connolly coming back was a big, big deal for um, Memphis. Um, he, well, he had 22 points last night, and um, he played pretty good defensively. Um, Zach Randolph was pretty clutch on defense, too. Um, there was a lot of hustle on the court for Memphis last night. Um, so it was a nice win for them and surprise and I I was kind of suspecting like everyone else that it would be maybe a 4-1, you know, maybe probably going to be like something like 4-1 win, uh, series win for Golden State. But I'm not so sure after last night the way Memphis played. You know what? Memphis is a physical team. When they're able to play physical, they can beat anyone. So – um, Connolly coming back added to that. Um, uh, Curry played good last night. I mean, he, he was typical Curry. Um, Thompson didn't play good. I think that was the problem. Is uh, Thompson was only six for fifteen from the floor. So um, when you know Thompson's off, he he's he's their three point guy. He only hit one three point last night. Um, so they need him to do better um, the next game, or else. It could be another Memphis win. Yeah, it's going to be crazy out there. They don't call that place in Memphis the grindhouse for nothing. So if Golden State gets one out there, they're going to definitely earn it. Game three of that series, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. I look forward to it. Pivotal, a pivotal game in a series that many people didn't think would have any pivotal matches. Then we got ourselves another series here, one of the more interesting series that we have left, the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. John Wall and the Wizards stole game one, but in the process, Wall sprains his wrist. But the good thing is the Wizards did find a way to steal game one because Wall didn't show up for game two. He decided to rest a little bit. And Damari Carroll and the Atlanta Hawks, they took full advantage of that one and rolled to a 15-point victory. Now they get about four days off before the series shifts to Washington for a Saturday afternoon showdown. And that, that's a series that can go either way. So I'm, I'm really interested in looking forward to that one. I think Washington is going to still need to get a little bit more out of guys like Otto Porter and Marcin Gortat to actually have a big chance in this series. Your thoughts on what you've seen so far in this Washington-Atlanta deal so far, Justin? Well, Beal and Sessions played a really good uh, game one. Um, I think they need them both to play good again. 
um, to win. You know, this I think this is a series Washington can win. I, I'm not I'm not sold on Atlanta necessarily. Um, Atlanta, um, you know, Atlanta is a is a is a good team. Um, but I, I think Washington is going to win this. I think Washington can still win the series despite, you know, the the Atlanta win in the first for, uh, last game. <laughs> so it's 1-1 one, one series, right, if I remember. I haven't seen all the games. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's 1-1 one, one right now, game three Saturday afternoon. So. Yeah. I, so, you know, uh, Washington needs, um, you know, um, some uh, support um, from Gorta and – you know, if Nene could score some points, that would be helpful too. I mean, oh yeah, I totally agree with you. Nene seems yeah. to be just completely um, non-existent. Yeah, Pierce is obviously his age is a little bit showing, but um, Atlanta. I'm not sold on Atlanta, like I said. So I think the Wizards can win the series, but I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta wins. Oh, you know, ends up winning the series. Oh, yeah, it most definitely can go either way. You can watch these games this weekend on TNT, ESPN, and ABC. The playoffs will be coming to you fast and furious. And before we move on here, quick update. The L.A. Clippers have now extended to a 13-point lead. It is now 69-56 early in the third period. And now, back to what we normally do. How was the week out there on the track, Josh? I know we had some good interest in NASCAR action. I don't think my racer won. I don't think yours did either. But give us the haps on the track. Um, well, we we didn't announce on the show because we didn't cover NASCAR last week, but you did take Kenseth and I took Casey Kane, and let's just say both of us didn't do any good. So, uh, yeah, we didn't do good there. But the winner of the race was Dale Jr., um, which was a emotional victory. He uh, He seemed to be really happy about winning at Talladega. A lot of memories for him and his father there. So it was a good win, and it was actually nice to see somebody show a little bit of emotion when they won a race lately. Um, Jimmy Johnson finished second, typical Jimmy Johnson race where he he's always around the top five, and that's where he finished. Paul Menard finished third. Um, this was a, Ryan Blaney. He finished fourth. He's a rookie. It was only his fourth race in NASCAR. He finished sixth. And I would get all amped up about it and say a lot of good things about the guy. And he has talent, but, you know, um, it is restrictor plate race, and restrictor plate race, and anyone can finish anywhere. That's really pretty much how it works. Martin Truex Jr. finished fifth. Sam Horst Jr. finished sixth. Ryan Newman, seventh. Kevin Harvick, eighth. Typical Harvick, he's in the top ten. Hasn't been out of the top ten that I can remember uh, this year so far. Denny Hamlin, ninth. This was the shocker of the of the week was Josh Wise finishing in the top ten. That's his first top ten. Well, actually his best finish of his career out of 113 races, 10th place finish. But that may sound, you know, like he's a bad driver. He is on one of the lowest funded teams in NASCAR. So any top ten finish for that team is a is a win, really. Next week's race, Kansas, it's one point five mile track. It's going to be 267 laps, just over 400 miles. Start time will be 7.46 Eastern Daylight Time on Fox Sports 1. Last year's May winner was Jeff Gordon. October winner was Joey Logano. Worst starting position for a winner was 26th by Brad Keselowski in 2011. 
um, a little off the track uh, stuff that I wanted to mention was uh, Kevin Harvick had recently blamed NASCAR um, ratings. The ratings have been a little bit lower than normal on the fact that the schedule is kind of monotonous and and that he thinks they need more road courses. And I wanted to say 100% I agree with him that NASCAR needs that more road courses to to the schedule because. It is a monotonous schedule. It seems like everything's the same. So, anyways, that's my little little rant on that topic, which I wanted to mention. That I agree with him. But anyways, this week I'm going to go ahead and take Brad Keselowski to win, and I know Jerome has his idea who's going to win this week. Well, you know me, I enjoy races with personalities, and it seems to me like Kevin Harvick is really pissed off over this whole rating deal. So I think he's going to come out and he's going to have himself one hell of a race, and I'll take Harvick this week. That's a good pick. I have. I think you take you can take Harvick any week, and you have a chance to win the way he's running. So um, I like Keselowski most because he runs good at Kansas, generally speaking. So and it's his type of style of track that he runs well at. So um, what are we talking about next, Rob? Well, next up, we got ourselves our weekly MLS soccer beat here. We got ourselves a Texas-sized derby between the Houston Dynamo and FC Dallas taking place at the BBVA Compass Stadium. Fabian Castillo's goal and two assists led FC Dallas past the Dynamo Friday night 4-1. to Castillo set up two first-half goals to help FC Dallas build a 2-0 lead. Castillo actually backheeled a pass around midfield to Ryan Hollinshead, who finished from a distance. In the 21st, Castillo ran down the ball and found David Teixeira for the finish. Giles Barnes, we've been talking a lot about this guy, and he got Houston back in the game temporarily in the 32nd with a free kick over the wall that found the top corner of the net, cutting the lead to 2-1. to one. But Dallas answers with two scores within the first 10 minutes of the second half. Mauro Diaz from the 18-yard line hammers a shot past goal keeper Tyler Derrick in the 52nd to put FC Dallas ahead 3-1. to one. And then the 55th, Castillo flicked in a goal after being left alone on the left side to give FC Dallas the 4-1 to victory. Houston is back in action Tuesday when they take on the San Jose Earthquakes at home, and Dallas's next game will be at home versus the LA Galaxy on May 9th. FC Dallas, with their victory, they move back in the first in the Western Conference while Houston sits seventh. Your thoughts, Josh? Well, for the second week in a row, Houston's defense gave up four goals, which is not a good thing. Um, they did the same thing against uh, Sporting KC last week. Um, their defense with Raul Rodriguez, Jermaine Taylor, and Demarcus Beasley are definitely struggling. And um, Beasley, one of the Team USA veterans, you would expect a little bit more from from him, his led defense. Um, so he needs to get together with that group and talk to them because you can't give up four goals two weeks in a row and, and expect to win games. As far as FC Dallas, they, they've been hitting their stride for, you know, pretty much all year. And they're, um, they're going to make things interesting in the West for the other teams like L.A. and, and Seattle. So um, FC Dallas is not going to – they're not going to go away quietly. Yeah, so they seem to be one of them teams that the Galaxy, teams like the Galaxy and the Sounders have to watch out for. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, next up, we move on to our next match here. We got Real Salt Lake taking on the San Jose Earthquakes at Rio Tinto. And the story of this match was 37 fouls and a bunch of chippy soccer 
caused both the teams to walk away from this game unsatisfied. In the 20th minute, what appeared to be an obvious offside, Shea Salinas let a shot go from about 25 yards, but his shot was deflected by goalie Beckerman. The ball ended up at the feet of an offside Wondolowski, who struck home his fourth goal of the season. In a completely harmless situation in the second half, Devin Sandoval put the ball high up into the box, but pressure caused an awkward situation for San Jose defender Victor Bernardez. David Bingham comes off his line, and Bernardez panics with Saborio behind him, and he accidentally puts his clearance attempt right in the back of the net, giving us a tie matchup at 1-1. Real Salt Lake, they'll return to action at home Wednesday against the L.A. Galaxy, while San Jose, they'll battle the Colorado Rapids under the Friday night lights at home. Real Salt Lake is currently ninth in the West, while San Jose is currently sixth. And what's your takeaway from this exciting match? It could have been a lot better, Josh. Um, it wasn't a great performance by San Jose. Uh, two lousy shots on goal all night. <laughs> I mean, they only managed <laughs> two shots. That's pretty bad. Um, unless, of course, you count the one goal that they scored on their own goal. Um, <laughs> so maybe it was three, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Um, Real Salt Lake can't be happy with their uh, with only ha- with their performance, considering they had possession sixty percent of the game um, and only managed to draw. So it wasn't a, it was it wasn't a great game, and and to see an old goal happen in any soccer game is it's just it, that shouldn't happen. So well, I'm glad I avoided this match, man. This is like kind of, if you were watching football, it would probably be Jacksonville versus Cleveland or something like that. Yeah, I agree. It, it wasn't a great game. But, um, you know, uh, Real Salt Lake is one of those teams that has been struggling so far this year. San Jose is right in the hunt, though, so, um, for one of the playoff spots. So, um, uh, they, got three, they, got, they got their one point, at least, from the game. Yeah, well, you know, in the MLS, all you got to do is get in, and anything can happen. Yeah. On to our next match here. We got my LA Galaxy taking on a team that we've discussed quite a bit, probably for their, more so for their futility so far this season, the Colorado Rapids. Without the star Robbie Keane for the fourth game in a row, the Galaxy, they give up a 40th-minute Gabriel Torres goal to put the Rapids ahead 1-0. to Interestingly enough, I think this is the first time all season they led anyone not named FC Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for the second time this season, Allen Gordon comes off of the bench to score a late goal to give the Galaxy a 1-1 tie. In the 83rd minute, a Lucas Pitanari free kick went right off the left post and Karom Nekronen, who put away the rebound. But the linemen ruled Lucas Pitanari for offsides, crushing the hopes of the Rapids gaining three points from this match. The Rapids are at home Friday night against San Jose on national television. The Galaxy with the draw, they're currently fourth in the West, while Colorado remains at the bottom of the West standing. And while Zardes and Jamison are a talented duel, this combo may struggle as a unit on the field at the same time because they seem to be both similar players. They seem to be running into each other and fighting each other for possession at times. <laughs> Not good at all. It may take this duel some time either getting around the similarities that can be a hindrance. As far as Colorado goes, even when things seem to be going right, someone is either offside or a turnover, and that ruins the day. Trust me, as a Raider fan, I know all too well about nonsense like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jameson and Jameson and Zardes, they they were having issues on the on the, being on the field together. <laughs> um, a bunch of you know you know when somebody wants possession of the ball and they're, they're running into each other, kind of like in a basketball game or whatever. 
that's kind of what it looked like out there with us too this week. Mm, that ought to be interesting. And are not, it'd be interesting to see how those two actually learn how to get play together. Because, I mean, they're still yep. young players, so they got to find that chemistry. Uh, up next is our Cascadia Derby between the Portland Timbers and the Vancouver Whitecaps. We will mention this game, although it ended in a 0-0 draw. I mean, not much happened here. Vancouver only managed seven shots. They got two on goal. Vancouver, they'll shift gears now onto the Amway Canadian Championship, a non-MLS um, tournament where they'll face FC Edmonton in a semifinal match. That match is actually taking place right now. They'll return to MLS play Saturday at home against the Philadelphia Union at 7 p.m. Eastern on TSN2 for Canadian viewers and MLS Live. Portland, they'll hit the road for their next match. Also, another Canadian matchup with the Montreal Impact Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Vancouver, they dropped to second in the standings with their draw, while Portland moves up to eighth. Not much to add from this match. It really sucked, so we'll just get on with our next match here. We have Sporting Kansas City taking on the Chicago Fire from Sporting, from, from Sporting Park in Kansas City. Nagamura scored in the 75th minute shortly after entering as a substitute. That goal was set up by a 12-pass sequence, which ended with a cross by Jaleel Anababa that Nagamura headed home. This was Sporting Kansas City's first win since April 5th, while Chicago had their three-game winning streak ended. Both teams are in action now on Saturday, with Sporting taking on D.C. United, and the fire being at home against Real Salt Lake. Sporting Kansas City, they're fifth in the West, while Chicago is currently sixth in the East. Next up here, we have our final match of the week. We've got New York City FC taking on the Seattle Sounders from Yankee Stadium. And in the 22nd minute, Obafemi Martin scored when Marco Papa sprung him into space for a 1-0 lead. In the 54th minute, Mady Baluki finally beat Seattle's defense, but was subbed off for David Villa after the goal. Clint Dempsey then sliced through the New York City defense in the 58th minute to regain the lead for the Seattle Sounders 2-1. In the 66th minute, after an 18-pass possession ended with Clint Dempsey going to Obafemi Martins, who put it in the back of the net for the 3-1 lead and the victory 3-1. With this win here, Seattle moves into third place in the West, and in, in New York City FC, they drop in the eighth place with the loss. Next up for New York City FC, they head across the Hudson River to take on their rival, the New York Red Bulls, for the first time next Sunday, while the Sounders, they remain on the road to take on the Columbus Crew Saturday afternoon. Any interesting takeaways that you have from this match here, Josh? Uh, yeah, Obafemi Martins is playing uh, really good soccer. Um, he's Well, he had two in this game. I, I think – I'm only guessing. I'm, I think he has, like, five goals this year right now, which is, I think, the most in, in MLS right now. So he is playing top notch soccer and he's actually fun to watch too uh he's he's aggressive i like that um and clinton Dempsey's playing good himself too actually so um as long as Dempsey's on the field uh seattle's a solid squad so that is my well, take well i mean ain't, ain't nothing wrong with exciting soccer i mean if they want more people in america to care about the match they got to get themselves more exciting players such as Obafemi martinez I mean, watching that guy, he's pretty exciting. I mean, he angers me when they play against the Galaxy, but if Seattle's playing against anybody else, I'd give him a look. I hear you. I hear you. And that's our weekly NASCAR beat. Join us next week for more exciting NASCAR. I mean, MLS, rather. God, I'm such an idiot. God, I'm such an idiot. 
Uh, See, this, is what okay. you, this is what happens when you don't eat breakfast, children. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No one, no one will know. <laughs> so, yeah, join us next week, and we'll have more exciting um, MLS soccer action for you. And I'm really looking forward to see how the Galaxy do in their matchup next week, and we'll bring that action to you. Quick NBA update here. Houston has seemed to have made a little bit of a run here by fouling DeAndre Jordan a few times, and they've cut the Clippers' lead down to 75-70 to with 5.08 remaining in the third. The Clippers were up by as many as 13, and it seems to me like we'll end up going down to the wire with this one. If it gets interesting toward the, towards the end, we'll keep you posted. Don't worry about that one. And tomorrow we got there's actually a three-day break between for the playoffs. Nobody plays them. Oh, wait, no, they play again Friday. I'm tripping. We got Cleveland and Chicago, game three. Then we got Houston taking on the Clippers in game three. So, man, I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow with no NBA. I guess I'll throw some coin on some baseball or something on DraftKings, you know. And I hear hear you've been doing pretty well lately, Josh, on DraftKings. I have been doing very good so far, actually. Um, I haven't won, you know, any like ten thousand dollars or anything, but I, I'm making money anyways, <laughs> so I can't hey. complain. Man, making money is better than making no money. You feel me? Yeah, no, uh, it's a, it's a great, great site to play on. Uh, if you know anything about sports and know, you know how to do a little bit of math in your head, you can succeed at it. I think. Oh yeah, I feel you there. I mean, I enjoy playing. <laughs> I mean, I haven't just dominated the game like you've been doing, although I did get you yesterday, so I'm going to have to give you that rematch. But that that's neither here nor there, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just – it was – you got the victory. You're up one. That's all you have that. Yeah. Well, you're up 2-1 in the NASCAR, so I have to get a little something, you know. Yeah, but neither of us are won any, any race recently in the last couple – few weeks anyways in NASCAR. One of us needs to hit a win here soon. So we'll definitely get it together. And we've reached the halfway point of our show. We've got you, we've got some more exciting action for you. So don't touch that dial. Raider Rome and Big Josh will be right back. After a word from our sponsors. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Think for a minute how you can make the difference in the life of a pet who has not known what it's like to be in a home or loved. A stray who's been abused, neglected, and is now waiting for a home in your local shelter. Sometimes you think you're doing them a favor, but when you adopt, you're the one whose life has changed. Adopt. 
A message from the Northeast Animal Shelter in Salem, Massachusetts. And we're back here with the NGSC West Recess. I'm Ray Rome, and we got Josh Masson here back with you. And speaking of our sponsor, DraftKings, we have our weekly baseball segment here for you. Uh, we've done pretty well for ourselves over the last week. I mean, better than we have over the last couple of weeks. Josh had his 10-0 pitcher this week, but I'm proud alone. I'll let him just tell you how his pitching has gone over the last week this week. Take it away, Josh. Okay, so I confess, I don't have the point total for last week. It wasn't as good as the previous week, I can tell you that. But I will post it on our Facebook page uh, that we have set up. Uh, If you want to find us on there, it's NGSC West Recess. Just put it in there and you'll find it. And I will post the points when I've done the math and figured out. As far as this week, I have, uh, for Thursday, I'm going to go ahead and tell you Edison Volquez versus Corey Kluber. I think that's a good matchup uh, with Volquez. Chris Archer versus, what's that noise? <laughs> uh, I'm, going, I'm, I'm here, I'm looking through my notes, Josh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Chris Archer versus uh, Nick Martinez of the Rangers. Um, Archer's been pitching well. He didn't have a good out in last last week, but um, I think he's gonna. The Rangers can't score, so I think it's uh, it's a positive matchup for everyone involved. Uh, Houston um, would Colin, disagree with you after that, after what happened tonight, Josh. But continue on. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, did what happened tonight? <laughs> uh, Texas smashed them eleven to three. Texas has Houston's number. That's crazy. Uh, so, but anyway, so Colin McHugh versus Hector Santiago of the Los Angeles Angels. I I like how Houston's playing. Um, well, they haven't been playing good against the Rangers, but they have been generally playing good this season so far. Friday, Matt Harvey versus Cole Hamels. I think you need to play Matt Harvey every time you get a chance. Until he starts losing, he's five and zero right now, I think. So um, Cole Hamels isn't pitching terrible by any means. The issue is he's getting no run support, so that's why I would say Harvey. James Shields versus Jeremy Hellickson. I'm not a fan of Hellickson. The guy, he he's he's been more hype than he's been talent so far in his career. Um, Shields is a better pitcher in that matchup. That's why I would tell you to start Shields. Sonny Gray versus Taiwan Walker. Walker's another guy who's um, came in with big names, uh, a lot of praise, and hasn't lived up to it so far. I think Sonny Gray will walk away with the win in that game. So um, start Sonny Gray against Taiwan Walker. He's got like a, I think, a seven-point-something ERA currently this season. Carlos Martinez, St. Louis Cardinals versus Vance Worley of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, that's a toss-up game, but the way Martinez has been pitching this year so far, I would lean towards Martinez. Uh, Johnny Cueto versus John Danks. John Danks is another, <laughs> I, I like to say he's over. He's, a, he's an overrated pitcher. Um, he is not pitching good this year either. Cueto didn't have a very good out in this last week, but Cueto's a better pitcher in that matchup. Take Cueto. Clayton Kershaw, is it, do I really need to tell you why? Um, I mean, he hasn't actually had a great year so far this year. Um, Win-loss record. He's pitching good for whatever reason. 
he's not getting the support from the Dodgers when he's out on the on the mound. So um, he's he's matched up against Jorge De La Rosa. Uh, he's just, De La Rosa is an okay pitcher. He's he's not he, he Kershaw's a better pitcher. That's why you got to play him here. Um, Felix Hernandez versus Jesse Chavez. Uh, it's obvious why I'm taking Hernandez. He's he's one of the best in the league. Zach Greinke versus Kyle Kendrick. Another obvious why I'm picking him, but Greinke's actually leading the Dodgers right now in, in all the pitching categories except strikeouts, I think. Um, he's 5-0. and oh. He's pretty much been pitching lights out so far this year. Kyle Kendrick has not had an awesome year yet, or, or has he had, well, hasn't really had any awesome years, I don't think, but <laughs> um, so that's why you take Greinke. And my last pitching matchup on Sunday would be a toss-up match. Uh, Scott Feldman, I'm taking Scott Feldman over Garrett Richards, but Richards could win that game. It, I honestly think you need to go with Hernandez and Greinke if you're playing on DraftKings, and you'll probably get some points from those two. But if you want to switch up, go with Feldman. My bad, oh. Josh. I, I like I like what you got there. And trust me, going with Zach Greinke in any Dodger game this season, there's really no explanation there. If you don't do this, you don't like money. So, I mean, what the hell? Then King uh, Felix, pretty much the same situation, you know. I agree. Yeah, uh, Hernandez is an elite pitcher. I mean, he's only had one really rough out so far this year. All right, up to our batters this week here. I mean, I didn't have as hot a week as I anticipated. I think the week before did pretty well. I had a lot of batters here let me down. And we'll start with DJ LeMahieu. He only went for batting 300 this week, three hits. He had a double and one walk. And that's pretty much all he had for this week, a measly 14 points. That's not going to help anyone. You think it wouldn't get any worse than that? Then you look at Justin Morneau, 0 for 12. Nothing more needs to be said there. You couldn't even get on base once this week. It's like, what the hell's going on? Maybe they finally figured out how to pitch to you. I don't know. Now, this now this here is a man after my own heart and my, and my pursuit of the money and your pursuit of the money over there on DraftKings. Josh Reddick, batting three eighty five this week, 10 hits, one double, two home runs, nine RBIs, five walks, and eight runs scored for a whopping 107 points this week. I'm sure you, you better get this guy in your lineup because he's a power in that Oakland train right now along with um, that guy Volk that they've got over there also. A.J. Pruszynski, he had himself an 11-game winning streak the last time we were all together, but it seems to have bottomed out for him this week. It didn't go so hot. Batting only 150, three hits, two RBIs, one walk, one run, scored 17 points. Come on, I know you can do better than that. We move on to Hanley Ramirez. I'll give him a little bit of an incomplete grade because he got injured a couple of days ago and he's been out of the last two games. So here we got for him, he's only batting 214. Three hits, one home run, two RBI, one walk, one run scored. I mean, still not the greatest numbers in the world, but a lot better than the other than LeMayhew and Mono. He put up 31 points this week. May help you in a head-to-head match, but I don't think you'll win any big tournaments with these kind of numbers. Last time we spoke, he had hit a couple of home runs in a game against Cincinnati, 
and I told you that he was starting to trend upwards. And I still believe that, and these numbers kind of believe that also. Batting 208, but we won't even worry about the batting average. We got ourselves here five hits, three home runs, eight RBIs, two walks, and four runs scored for an incredible 85 points. And I'm sure you could definitely use 85 points in your lineup over the week. Well, we got another player who's played well for Baltimore. He kind of gets, he's kind of like the third man behind Adam Jones and Chris Davis. I'm talking about one Manny Machado. He batted 353, six hits, one double, two homers, two RBIs, seven runs, a respectable 73 points. Now, here's the guy that I would say is probably the most hottest. Um, Reddick, he does seem to get on base a hell of a lot more. So get this guy in your, in your DraftKings lineup also. Jacoby Ellsbury, batting 500 this week, 14 hits, one double, one walk, four stolen bases. He was caught stealing once. You lose points for that. He uh, he only had one RBI, but did score five runs for 79 points. And 79 points, I mean, sure, before you say, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be excited about that. Hey, when you're batting 500, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you go out and take it. Next up, we got Billy Hamilton. Last time I saw him, he had three stolen bases against Chicago. And, yeah, I kind of got carried away by that because he didn't do very much this week. Five hits, one double, one home run, two RBI, four runs scored for 46 points. 46 points, another, 46 is another one of those numbers. It'll probably help you in a one-on-one match, but you trying to win the big bucks, it ain't going to do much for you. And we'll end up with Jose Altuve, a pretty impressive player in his own right, batting three forty-six this week, last week, nine hits, three doubles, one homer, six RBI, four walks, five runs scored, and two stolen bases for an amazing 96 points. So if you're sitting there and you need somebody for Houston, right now Altuve is probably your best bet, along with Evan Gattis or Chris Carter, which brings me to my players for this week here. Hang on tight here, people. So did you, did you use any of those players last week, Josh, on your, on your batting? I used Evan, Evan Goddess um, one, one, week, uh, one game, and he actually got me 31 points that one day. So I, I timed it right, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know baseball. It's all about timing, so. Yeah, and, and here uh, we go ahead. Okay, and here we are with our batters for the week. We've got D. Gordon, this guy for the Miami Marlins. He's like the, the engine that keeps their offense rolling. His last seven, he's batting five twenty four, four stolen bases this week, and he's currently on an eleven game hitting streak, which he extended today at the Washington Nationals. So, if you need points for stolen bases and you need a man who can get on base at least once or twice a game, D. Gordon is your guy. Next up, we have the home run king so far early on in the season, Nelson Cruz. He has seven hits this week, four homers, increasing his major league lead to 14 this season. So get get him in your lineup because he's a big um, basher, and he can get the job done. Now, here's a a player that this offense, it kind of shocks me. It kind of really came out of nowhere, in my opinion. We got Russell Martin here batting 400, 10 hits. Four homers and six RBI over his last seven. Then Russell actually went yard again tonight. 
So if you're looking for Toronto players, hey, look, look no further than Russell Martin. He's starting the show today. This is more than just John, Josh Donaldson and Jose Batista. I can I can hit the long ball too. And the aforementioned Evan Gaddis from the Houston um, Astros. He batted two forty this week, knocked in eleven RBI, had six hits and a double. Um, Houston's offense is starting to come around a little bit. They had the ten game winning streak. Sure, they got a they call a beat down today, but I think that's more of an exception than the rule. Get Gaddis in your lineup. And out here, a player that I've, I've been looking at pretty uh, well so far this season, he's done well for my fantasy teams, along with Matt Kemp. We've got Justin Upton from the San Diego Padres batting four twenty nine this week. Nine hits, seven RBI, and he can also swipe bags for you also. He's got four stolen bases this week. So he's pretty much an all-around offensive threat, and I'm sure there's, there's no way you couldn't use a guy like that to help you win a few matches. We go back to Washington here. And, no, I'm not talking about that guy who slammed three home runs today, although I kind of think that was a complete outlier myself. We're going to go with Wilson Ramos, the catcher from the Washington uh, Nationals, batting 435 over the last seven with 10 hits and a couple of doubles. He got on base a couple of times again today, too. So if you're looking for a guy that can protect that can protect you offensively, say Bryce Harper, Harper doesn't hit a home run or two or three, or he doesn't even get on base. This may be one of the players you want to look at. And our final batter for the week, the Seattle Mariners' Logan Morrison. He's done well for himself in his last 10, batting 371, slugging three home runs, and along with 13 hits. And I feel that these players, they should do pretty well for you. They'll help you out in your money-grabbing endeavors this week going forward. And remember, if you can't trust me and you don't put these guys on your lineup, you don't like money. Your thoughts, Josh? Uh, I like I like pretty much everyone he said. Uh, if I were to give my advice, uh, maybe one player you didn't mention, um, the guy who started slow so far this year, but I think he's starting to – I think he's going to start having big games. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, um, I think he's going to start having some, some performance, uh, high performance, uh, big games coming up, I think. Yeah, well, John Carlo did sock one today against Washington, so hey, maybe yeah. that could be a start of him trending upward. Yeah. So yeah, he's one guy uh, I would say to start playing right now. Um, other than that, I I like your picks. I I will use some of them, I'm sure. Good, because remember, if you don't, you don't like money. <laughs> <laughs> I like money. <laughs> well, yeah, money's good. And here, we seem to have had a football draft this weekend. And, hey, we had ourselves a lot of interesting West Coast teams that took place in it. We'll start here with the team who, if not for being dumbest, y'all would be the two-time defending world champion, the Seattle Seahawks. With their first pick, they took Frank Clark, the defensive end of Michigan. This move is probably a death move for their defensive front. This guy, though, he does seem to have character issues. He was suspended in 2012 for stealing a laptop. I don't know what it is with football players and stealing laptops. He was thrown out of Michigan in 2014, however, after being accused of punching his girlfriend. In the third round, the Seahawks traded up with the Redskins to take Tyler Lockett. He's a major need area for the Hawks. He's a guy that can stretch the field and return kicks. In round four, Seattle, they addressed the offensive guard position, taking Terry Poole out of San Diego State and Mark Ronowski out of West Virginia. 
In round five, they took a tall corner, Ty Smith out of Towson. He a, he, he's tall, but he's not very big, and he's going to have himself a hard time finding playing time early. So he's probably one of those special teams candidates. Your thoughts on Seattle so far, Jesse? Um, a lot of people were complaining about the Frank Clark pick, uh, saying uh, whether the domestic violence stuff, how they, I guess they didn't vet his or find out more information about him. A lot of people aren't very happy about that. Um, and it was a little bit of a reach, too, for the other issue. So uh, I think I think overall Seattle um, had an uh, – well, I like the Tyler Lockett uh, pick for them, actually, because uh, they definitely need some um, special teams help. And, and Lockett is a guy who can actually be on the field, um, you know, like a Welker-type guy. So um, I like that pick, but I think overall most would say Seattle didn't have – the best of draft. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold like I wouldn't expect these players not to perform because Seattle has had very good luck with their drafts over the years. So, um, I, on paper, it's a bad draft, but overall, I'd say Seattle probably will end up having the last laugh when it's said and done. Yeah, well, they always do. So, you know how that goes, you. Know. They yeah. seem to have a they seem to have a great um job with the scouting department. So I think it could work out again for Seattle. <clears throat> we move but we move on, however, here. We'll move on to the St. Louis Rams, drafting Todd Gurley with the tenth pick in the draft. Coming off of a torn ACL in two thousand fourteen, he also missed time in two thousand thirteen, they bring This move didn't make sense initially until the Rams they decided to trade Zach Stacy to the Rams to the Jets for a seventh round pick. In round two, they drafted Rob Haverstein out of Wisconsin. This pick was surprising also because Haverstein was actually a third to sixth round projected player. But the positive is that Wisconsin does have a history of good offensive linemen in the NFL, such as Joe Thomas. In round in third in round three, with the seventy second pick, the Rams drafted Demond Brown, another offensive line to address their needs for St. Louis to keep Nick Foles upright and to afford another quarterback injury. And in the round, and also in round three, they ended up drafting quarterback Sean Mannion out of Oregon State. He's six six, two twenty nine, and he certainly has the look and the size to be a quarterback in the NFL. They drafted they drafted another offensive lineman in round four, and they drafted a wide receiver from Missouri, Bud Sasser, in round six. So these players may have trouble making this team. Although Sasser is a local product, he played very well taking over for DGB Dorio Green Beckham. So he may have a good shot at anybody to make this Rams team. Your thoughts on the Rams so far, Josh? Uh, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do when we did our mock drafts and stuff. I, I mean, I, for, I expected them to take receiver in the first round, to be honest with you, but I knew they were going to take a bunch of offensive linemen. So uh, they sure did do that in the draft. Uh, the Todd Gurley pick would have came out of nowhere. I don't <laughs> I didn't see that coming, but um, it makes sense now. It didn't make sense initially, I would say that. Um, they didn't really address the need at receiver, which was a little bit of a surprise, other than uh, they drafted uh, Bud Sasser, but he's not a guy that's going to be starting for sure. So I kind of expected them to take a receiver earlier, but that's my opinion. Well, the Rams, they seem to know what they're doing. They've been drafting well lately, so we'll see how it goes with these linemen that they seem to have put in. Then they got themselves the future with Sean Mannion, so we'll see how that looks going forward. 
Up next, we got ourselves the Arizona Cardinals. Many expected that they would take Melvin Gordon with their first pick in the draft, but they opted to take D.J. Humphreys to work on the right tackle position. Around two, they drafted Marcus Golden to help with their pass rush. They also added the UNI running back David Johnson, who stuck out in the evaluation cycle as a small school back with old school size, and he should add a missing between the tackles rushing element and should mesh well with their running back, Andre Ellington. You agree there, Josh? I like what I've seen on YouTube of David Johnson. I can't honestly say I've ever seen him play live other than the YouTube videos. Um, so I think he's a good addition. Uh, he definitely is. Uh, he he looks like a back in the NFL. Uh, I don't think where he went to school really makes a difference. I, I think if you have a good offensive line, anyone could be a good running back in the NFL with a little bit of talent and a little bit of work. So, um, I thought they were going to take Melvin Gordon in the first round myself. Uh, yeah, San Diego and the San Diego was thinking the same way. That's why they jumped ahead and grabbed them. Yep. So uh, that's my opinion on the Cardinals anyway. Well, the Cardinals, they feel a lot of needs being able to move, help themselves get forward in the NFC. Oh, next to a team that's in trans, a bit of transition here, we got the San Francisco 49ers. In round one, they drafted Eric Armstead, the Oregon defensive end. The Dolphins, they got Devontae Parker at 15, and that guy, he was probably a likely target for the 49ers. So they decided to go defensive end, and they got themselves one of the best in the draft. In round two, they drafted Jawiski Tart from Sanford. He ran a 4-5-40. He's, he's very good against the run, and he can also play man-on-man cover. So that, those are a few things the 49ers are sorely lacking, and they could help him out. And then they drafted in round three a guy that potentially could have won in round one, Eli Harold out of Virginia. Harold, he's 6'3", 247, and in three seasons at Virginia, he totaled 17 and a half sacks and had 36 and a half tackles for a loss. Your thoughts on the 49ers drafting? I like the first and third round picks of Armstead and, and Harold. Uh, I don't, I didn't know anything about this Chiquitsky Tart guy, I honestly. So um, I don't, can't really speak to him. What I've seen of him, he's, he's. He's a pretty good cover guy, but he played against small school guys, so it's going to take a little bit of work in the NFL, um, especially with the, how physical uh, the play is in the NFC West. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but he, he's definitely going to be active on special teams his first year, so he'll get some playing time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You'll get a chance to lay somebody out. <laughs> we move on here to the AFC West. And we'll begin with my Oakland Raiders. Their first-round draft pick, um, it was pretty interesting there. You had your choice of Salmon or State with going with Amari Cooper or Leonard Williams. The Raiders, they chose the first-round wide receiver, Amari Cooper, the best wide receiver in the draft, getting some toys for David Carr, for Derek Carr, and it should help the offense going forward. This is a player who I think, in, in my opinion, could get 900 to 1,000 yards his first season. But I don't want to sound like this is Homer talk. <laughs> in round two, they went and picked up the hulking defensive end from Florida State, Mario Edwards Jr. He should be able to come in right away and help give depth on that line for players such as Justin Tuck. So that should work out well for the Raiders. It's a guy that doesn't have to come in and save the defense right away. He could be a depth guy. And when you put him next to Khalil Mack, it's going to, be, it's going to look really interesting every time here. And in the third round here, the Raiders, they drafted themselves probably one of the more interesting um, tight end guys in Clive Walford. He can, he can run, he can catch, 
He can even block halfway decently. So he'll be able to get in there right away and form a potent two tight end combination with Michael Rivera, and that could give us kind of what New England had with Hernandez and Gronk because I think with both of those guys, it's going to work out great. And so how do you feel about the Oakland Raiders' first three draft picks there, Josh? Um, I Well, well, I like Amari Cooper, so I think it was a good pick, and that's who I thought they were going to take from day one once the season ended. But, um, yeah, so Cooper was a good, good pick. Uh, I don't really know much about the tight end that they drafted. I haven't really seen much of them. But I do know that Oakland needs a tight end, so adding depth at tight end position is definitely a good move. So that's my well, yeah, adding greater. two athletic tight ends. I mean, that really helps things. Now Carr has more toys. You got an athletic, you got an athletic Clive Walford, and you got Michael Rivera, who's just as athletic and dominant. So, hey, in a couple of years, this offense could look like something. I'm really looking forward to it. And up here, next up, we got ourselves the San Diego Chargers. Here, they picked up Melvin Gordon in round one from Wisconsin, the running back that everybody thought was the best running back, although he wasn't drafted first. That honor went to um, Todd Gurley. In round two, though, they picked up a very impressive linebacker in Denzel Perryman, who I think could be one of the best in this class. He's picking up a blue blue chip player, and he has a good chance to play well. And quarterback Craig Mager, their third-round draft pick from Texas State, he's a talented small school prospect. He has a lot of intriguing physical tools, and he seems to be a bit of a wild card. So it'll be interesting to see how San Diego can implement these young guys into their lineup. I see Gordon possibly being a day one starter for them. And the Chargers, they'll just keep on rolling. Your thoughts? Well, the, I'm, I'm certain that the Chargers wanted to get Gurley. I don't think they expected him to be drafted so early, and especially by the Rams. Um, but Melvin Gordon's a good a good. Uh, addition to the Chargers who definitely need a, a back who can be physical and um, well, they just need to run back anyways. Uh, so I like what they did in the first round. They got what they needed. I think that was their, ma- their major need. Next up here, we have ourselves the Denver Broncos here. Some would question the logic behind their decision to add another pass rusher to a lineup that has Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware firmly entrenched the starters. Shane Ray, he did seem to have himself a little bit of issues with the marijuana and all that, but he seems to be a player that John Elway really wanted, and he traded up to get him, giving up quite a bit in the process. So he must know something that we don't there. Tackle Tyson Brylow in round two and center Max Garcia, they're both a little bit of raw, but they're capable of climbing to the second level to cut off defenders running to the ball. So that should help out Denver's running game also with C.J. Anderson. Then in, third, in round three, they drafted Jeff Harriman, a tight end from Ohio State. So he's, he's going to be a young guy, and hopefully they'll hope, they hope that by the end of the season he should be ready to step in and take the role of a Julius Thomas. So Denver, they did pretty well, and they did a good job getting young players and when, when their older players, such as Peyton Manning, decide to hang it up. Your thoughts on Denver's drafting? My favorite pick by the Broncos was actually in the seventh round when they took Josh Furman from Oklahoma State. Uh, anytime an Oklahoma State guy gets drafted, I like that. But um, honestly, 
Shane Ray, uh, he's a good player. Um, I don't know if Colorado is a great location for somebody who's just got busted. <laughs> uh, how did I know that was Colorado? <laughs> well, hey, I, I just I, – somebody had to say it. I don't know if that's the best place for him, but um, that's where he's going, and uh, Broncos definitely gave up a lot to get him. So uh, hopefully he will um, – not take advantage of the drug laws in uh, Colorado. Uh, I'm sure he won't. Speaking of players with um, they have issues here. Our final team that we're going to cover tonight is the Kansas City Chiefs. They picked up uh, the first round cornerback Marcus Peters, who has had a, himself a lot of character issues over the last few years. But Marcus Peters, though, he does qualify as a prototypical cover corner prospect based on his physical dimensions and his refined game. But, however, though, he does have an attitude issue, so it may take him a while to catch on here. In round three, they drafted Chris Conley. He's an interesting developmental prospect. He has solid collegiate production. So he'll need to polish a few parts of his game, however, to earn a significant role. In round two, they drafted themselves an offensive guard and Mitch Morris, bless you. And he's a guy that can come in and help that line also right away. And in round four, they drafted – uh, inside linebacker Rameek Wilson from Georgia. He's an underrated player, and he could carve out himself as a niche as an under as an eventual starter for Kansas City. I mean, our, first, our fourth round pick last year, Jelly Ellis, he came in after a while and he took over the range. So the fourth round guys, they got a lot that can go on for themselves. Your thoughts on Kansas City? I love the Chris Conley uh, pick. Uh, I watched him a couple times, and I was impressed with uh, Conley. I think. He's, he's a talented receiver and a good add in the third round for the Chiefs. Uh, Peters, like he said, uh, has character issues, but he's he's definitely talented. So I think uh, I think Kansas City can handle somebody like him. Uh, so I like what the Chiefs did overall in that draft. Well, NFL.com gave him a B, so they did quite all right. And yeah. that was our NFL draft preview. Can't wait to see these kids strap it up in August and see what they can offer their teams in preseason football. Yeah, well, Josh, man, what the hell happened? It's that time already, man. We was having so much fun, too. I tell you, yeah. this ends way too fast every week, man. <laughs> yeah, so I hope you had a great time also, man. I sure did have a good time. Uh, it's always good to talk sports with you, and it's great to have a bunch of people listening. Uh Oh, yes. Most definitely. We love the listeners. Hey, if it wasn't for them, well, there'd be no point in us doing this. We do it for you. And we'll be back next week at 11 Eastern time with, with another with another interesting show. We'll get together. We'll get in the lab. We'll put some things together. We may have a guest for you. We'll be talking about them playoffs. We'll be talking about baseball. We'll be helping you win a little bit more money like we always do. And it's going to be a great time like always. So. For myself, Raider Rome, and my main man, Josh Matson. this has been the West Coast Recess. Good night, America. Good night. Yo. Who this? Who this?